Hello there. I'm Asher Leamond, and welcome to the Spoondrift Podcast. Here on the show, I talk about a lot. I skim the surface of a giant ocean of information and capture the Spoondrift. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about space junk. Now, I know that I've talked about space junk on another episode. In fact, I think it was a couple of different episodes. But the problem is a real one. It's in the news again, and it's only going to get worse. So let's talk about why that is. Alrighty, so I mentioned that Space Junk entered the news again. Well, the Space Junk part that I'm talking about now, specifically, is an article that was posted by Live Science, and it was about Starlink satellite collisions, or their potential for collisions. Now, Starlink is the satellite constellation operated by SpaceX, and they launch a lot of satellites into space. The SpaceX now, with their Starlink satellite constellation, is the world's biggest satellite operator. They have close to 1,700 satellites up in orbit right now, and the end goal is somewhere around the lines of 12,000 satellites. A satellite constellation is basically a bunch of satellites that are able to communicate and provide a cohesive service, and it's it, it's made up of a bunch of small ones in order to connect to one another and to create a giant constellation of satellites. Having all these satellites up there is great for providing a service, such as like internet access. That's great. But what it creates problems for is orbiting and interacting, hopefully not, interacting with other spacecraft. That could be other satellites or any other device that's in operation and or not in operation, and that's orbiting the Earth. As reported in that article published by Live Science, sat Starlink satellites are involved in approximately 1,600 close encounters per week, and 500 of those are with spacecraft other than Starlink satellites. So that could be satellites operated by another company or just other things. <laughs> now, what what what, do you, what does what does a close encounter mean? Well, a close encounter is in, is described as when structures pass within one kilometer of one another. That's logged as a close encounter, and it has the potential to cause a problem. Now, there's another competitor. I mean, there are other major satellite providers and constellation um, companies, and another one is OneWeb, which operates a satellite constellation of over 250 satellites. And they're involved in 80 close encounters with other spacecraft every week. So SpaceX is not the only one. There are other companies that have lots of satellites up there and create the potential for collision. So why do we, why do we care about this? Why do we care about SpaceX having a bunch of satellites in space? OneWeb having a bunch of satellites in space. Every government having weather and communication satellites up in space. Why do we care? Well, the issue isn't so much them operating but it's when they cause problems for other things. Just as when we're driving on the roads, we care about other cars because we don't want to hit them. We care about satellites in space because we don't want them to hit one another. There's a company called Cahen Space. And what this company does is they provide space traffic management. They look at what sort of objects could potentially run into one another and they make notifications to the appropriate parties and they manage space traffic. They use data from the U.S. Space Surveillance Network, which is a network operated by the U.S. Space Force, which monitors 
live and defunct satellites and debris that can be as small as four inches in size. So they have all this information about what is up in space, what's orbiting, where it is, and where it looks like it's going to end up. And the purpose of doing that monitoring is to avoid collisions. They can project paths of objects in space and notify a company or a government or something when it looks like a satellite or a spacecraft is on a collision course. And once that notification is made, the operator of the satellite or the spacecraft can make the decision to take the appropriate measures. This K in space, if an operator is monitoring some satellites, they can get over 300 notifications a week that there may be a potential problem. And of those 300, uh, they've projected that usually 10 of them require avoidance maneuvers. So there's a little bit about one organization that is keeping a close eye on space junk. Why is it a problem? As we mentioned, we don't want satellites to collide. Before we talked about the analogy of traffic on a road, the difference between space junk and the road is we can kind of clean stuff up on the roads, but it's kind of a lot harder to clean stuff up in space. So when there's a collision that happens and a bunch of pieces fly everywhere, they stay flying everywhere and they fly everywhere very fast and they stay flying everywhere very fast and they all create their own orbits and they just make the problem worse because one collision creates a bunch of little problems that can create more collisions. That's what we want to avoid. And in the article, they mention how the space junk problem is a growing problem because in order to prevent collisions, there's manual interference that has to happen. An operator has to make the decision, okay, how likely is my satellite going to get hit? Do I think it's highly probable? If it gets hit, that means we lose a satellite. Our services are affected. We lose money. That's bad. So let's move it. But there's a chance that this notification could not come to fruition. Maybe this collision won't happen. The sensors that detect the motion of space debris and other satellites, they have error. And that error can actually be sometimes upwards of a mile. So you've got a collision notification, but it's actually just, you know, within a mile of your satellite. So let's, it's not actually going to hit. So it's fine. We won't use the propellant. Those are the sort of decisions that an operator has to make. And they have to weigh the risks, the pros and the cons to, in order to make the adjustments. And if you make an adjustment, that means using precious propellant. And a lot of these satellites, they're not maintained. You send them up into space, they operate for however long they can, and then once they run out of steam, or in this case, like fuel, they are left there. But using the propellant is using a finite resource. You don't go up and refuel a lot of satellites. So they have to carefully weigh their options there. And a lot of times in order to preserve that fuel, operators will just accept the risk of collision, let it go, see what happens. And that can be a problem. That's where we create issues. If we have operators accepting risk, whenever that risk happens to a be a little bit more than they were bargaining for and a collision happens, then it creates more problems for other people. Now there was actually a recent collision 
a little earlier this year, in August 2021, where the Yunhai 102 satellite, owned and operated by China, was impacted by a piece of space debris that came off of an old Russian satellite that was launched in 1996. That piece of debris caused problems for the Chinese satellite. It made the, it made an impact, and the Yunhai Chinese satellite broke up into approximately 37 pieces, maybe some smaller ones as well that weren't picked up. And that's 37 more pieces. We had one. Now after a collision, we have 37. And each of those pieces will have different orbits, causing potential other problems for other things. And there, there have been a number of those collisions, and I've, I've talked about them in some of my other episodes. Like there was one that's been cited a lot, and I know I've talked about before, and I've done research on before, that involved the collision of Russian military satellite, the Cosmos 2251, and the Iridium 33 communication satellite. They collided a while back in 2009, and those two things, like, they obliterated one another. That created a lot, lots of problems. The problem here exists. Now, we've kind of identified it. It's a relevant issue. Uh, well, in, the, in the case of SpaceX, what are they doing to help avoid this? Well, Starlink satellites, they use an autonomous collision avoidance system. So they're able to detect the, the objects that are around them and make adjustments to their orbit accordingly to avoid collisions, which is good on all counts. SpaceX preserves their satellites. Other spacecraft that may come into the path of a Starlink satellite, they can avoid collision because the Starlink satellites are doing their thing. That's great. Now, what's not necessarily good is that this article reports that SpaceX doesn't really let other organizations know about their corrections. And what that does is it creates difficulty for other organizations trying to project the movement of Starlink satellites. So if these satellites are making adjustments on their own and making movements to avoid collisions, that's great for them. But when it comes to other companies making adjustments for the Starlink satellites or um, preparing for collisions with objects that aren't powered or aren't even operated, it makes it difficult to project because we don't know exactly what sort of regular orbit they have. They, they're making changes. So the, the communication there thing is key. So that's a little bit about kind of what the issue is, how it's come back into the news, um, and some of the key players in it and what they're doing to fix it. I know space <laughs> um, traffic management it it's, can be, uh, at least in my mind, I align it very closely with air traffic control. We've got a bunch of planes up in the air, and we have to manage their movements very closely. Planes have a lot of room to move. There are a lot of different altitudes that planes can fly at to stay out of one another's way. Um, and the, the issues really come in around airports when airplanes are kind of converging on a single place. And at any airport, there's an air traffic control tower that is in constant communication with airplanes, resolving issues on the fly. <laughs> uh, pun intended. Pun, no, pun intended. But it's a good one there. 
on the fly, making sure that airplanes don't collide with one another, or they don't crash whenever they can't see, if there's cloud cover or something. But the key there is fast, efficient, and accurate communication between the people on the ground and the people in the air, and then between the people in the air to other people in the air. Communication has to happen. The same deal goes with space. There are things moving up in space, things uh, communicating with one another, providing internet, providing GPS, mapping services, phone calls, weather. All sorts of things happen up in space. And there are different orbits. There's a lot of room to move up there. Um, and, and any satellite, they can have different orbits at different distances from the Earth and kind of stay away from other things. But when we cross orbits, or when we have multiple things operating in the same orbit, we have to have communication between the different objects. Now, there is, of course, the uh, added <laughs> problem in space that we don't really have in the atmosphere of things, of, of satellites, space debris, that are just floating up there. They're in continuous orbit without any power or human interference. They're not controlled in any way. They're just things orbiting Earth. In the atmosphere with planes, I mean, you have birds, so to speak, that are controlled by humans, but even at certain altitudes, you don't really get birds. But imagine just having birds everywhere all the time. <laughs> That's kind of what this, this space junk issue is. Those problems, those um, uncontrolled debris pieces, will continue to pile up as satellites are decommissioned or break or are no longer usable. There probably needs to be a solution to bring them down to Earth or at least get rid of them, get them out of orbits. So that way they don't pose a danger to other operating satellites and spacecraft. And that's a problem for the future that people are working on now, but it, there definitely needs to be a lot more research and um, problem solving in that field, in that area, to make sure that we can safely and effectively operate in space. Now for the music update. This week I don't have any albums that are on my list to watch out for. However, I do have a long list of songs that I've been listening to. Here they are. The first is called Rain Song by Epic High featuring Cold, Korean R&B. Feet Don't Fail Me Now by Joy Crooks, English Easy Pop. American Beauty by Big Pig, <laughs> Big Pig, that, um, English Indie Pop. And that reminds me, there's a video by um, Ice Cream Sandwich Comics on YouTube. <laughs> and uh, um, I think he like, posted a tweet or something asking people to guess his IQ and someone put big and it was like with a bunch of eyes so he pronounced it big and then he's like that's not an IQ but anyway I remember the way he said it it was funny and so when I see the way this is spelled it's spelled b-i-i-g p-i-i-g big pig that's all I can think of just that video anyway next song Candy Pianists by Lee Jin Ah, Korean Jazz. Intervision by Lost Spaces, English Alternative. Jump by Against the Current, English Punk Rock. 
Don't Worry by Leon Bridges featuring Ink, English R&B, Rodman by Mike, English Rap, Cheap Flowers by Lexi Jade, English Alt Pop, Gone by Child, that's spelled C-H-I-I-L-D, featuring Jensen McRae, English Alt Pop, and that one, I, you know, it's like child, I don't know, it might be, have the extended eye, oh, well, that's where they put the eyes, well, I mean, there's also the um, the benefit of search suggestions and um, priority and in internet searches. But anyway, that, that, that could work too. Blanket by Suron, featuring Wanstein. Korean Alternative. Lullaby by Against the Current, English Alt-Rock. Move by BRB, English R&B. BRB singing R&B, what? Okay. Juice by BRB, English R&B. LMLY, which stands for Leave Me Loving You, by Jackson Wong, English Pop. Taste of You by Rez, featuring Dove Cameron, English Dance. Laurelhurst by Goth Babe, English Indie. Do You Mind by Fleece, English Indie. Shook by Cautious Clay, English R&B. And finally, The Walls Are Way Too Thin. I almost said it like the... The cadence of the song. The walls are way too thin. Da, 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 da. Okay, that's by Holly Humberstone, English Alternative. And there you have it. That's my music update for this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Spoon Drift. If you want to listen to the music that I talked about, you can check out my Spotify profile of The Spoon Drift Podcast and find The Spoon Drift Season 2 Episode 31 playlist. For more episodes of The Spoon Drift, you can visit Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spinnaker Radio's home on the web at radio.unfspinnaker.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to keep up to date on everything to do with the Spoon Drift, and I, I say that loosely, you can follow me on Twitter at SpoonDriftPod, that's at SpoonDriftPod, or on Instagram at SpoonDriftPodcast, that's SpoonDriftPodcast. I hope to talk to you soon. Music